All right, welcome to episode 20 of I Guess We'll Do It That Way, which, if you didn't know already, is a show where I call my buddy John each week to check in on my progress as I direct my first feature film. It's presented by Mama Bear Studios. Mama Bear's mission is to create entertaining works of art that explore our humanity. Okay, here's episode 20. All in. What's up, Uncle Zay? Nothing much, nothing much. Doing my thing. Doing my thizzang. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. My dogs. Oh. They're, uh, they're, they're always a thorn in my side, you know? Animals are always gumming up the works. That's why we eat them. Man. <laughs> gumming up my works, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, let's, let's kick this bad boy off. John, is it just me? Mm. Or does it feel somewhat significant that this is our 20th episode? 20? That doesn't seem real. It seems impossible. Has it been 20 weeks since we started? No, because we're, we're, uh, we're weird and we put out more than one a week sometimes. Okay, so how many weeks have we been doing this for? Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Okay. I'm going to go find out when I put the first episode out. What, what was my bet? What did I say we would get to? Four? Four. <laughs> You missed. Ah, I didn't even think we'd get to 20, though. It's a huge milestone. It's It feels large because I can say more people are listening now than they were when we started. Really? Yeah, that's wild, right? Like, people, people are actually... I can't explain exactly why. Some people are listening to this. Huh. John, we put out our first episode on July 9th. Okay, great. I'll do the math Man, later. that's like a whole season. I know, exactly. That's like a very unhelpful number. I have no <laughs> idea how many weeks that is. Do you want me to count? I don't know. No, no, no. Don't, don't count. But yeah, it's that's a huge milestone. You know, it's like your 20th birthday, though, is sort of not as monumental as it ought to be. That's two decades, but everybody's waiting to turn 21 in America because that's when you can drink. Right, right. Hey, one sec. I'm getting a call, and it's a Los Angeles number that I don't recognize, so I'm wondering if it's important. One sec. Take it. Let's hear it live. This is Isaiah. Hi, this is Harvey Weinstein, trying to repair my career. Hey, how's it going? Excellent, thanks. Um, yeah, so I was wondering if you guys uh, sort of have uh, pre-negotiated stuff figured out for podcasts yet, or if it falls under some other category. It doesn't. We don't cover podcasts. Oh, you don't cover them at all. Okay, got it. No, not at all. Okay, we great. Cover audiovisual. Got it. Okay, that yeah. is very helpful. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Guess we're not getting that podcast health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Could you hear that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that was a lawyer from the WGA, the Writers Guild of America. Apparently, they don't cover podcasts. Hmm. Sounds like a niche market for Uncle Nate to fill. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so 20 episodes. That was a fun little, that's part of my job. That's like, uh, that's a little window into my job. I'm just calling people and being like, you know, does the union cover podcasts? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, sweet. Now I can just use and abuse all these writers I'm going to use for this new podcast I'm producing. Oh, boy. That was a premature announcement. Before you tell us that. When well, you get off the phone with this lady, this is why you and I are so different. When you hang up the phone with this lady, yeah. is there any part of you that's like, I wonder if she what she thinks about me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's probably thinking like, oh, this Bush League producer, how does he not know that already? 
Because mm-hmm. oh, she's so like, do, we, we you cover go through all that we, in your head. Oh, for sure. She's like, we cover audiovisual, and I'm thinking, duh. Like, am I supposed to not know that? But that doesn't. You, you cover radio too, so like, anyway. But I'm thinking maybe I should have known that. You know, I feel like maybe you should have pushed harder. Maybe that was she's on her break. You know, she's about to take a break. She's like, yeah, no, we don't cover you, man. Whatever. She's no, trying to well, get you off the, the line. It's it's actually it's not for this podcast because, as everyone knows, <laughs> based on very obvious evidence, we don't write this podcast. Uh, I Speak think that's very clear for yourself. <laughs> Zay. You write it out. Speak for we, yourself. John and, I spend, John and I spend a minimum of like 20 hours just planning out every episode. I think that's so clear that that's not the case. Yes, we uh, do. No, there's, there's a different podcast, which I'm not yet ready to, to discuss, but it's a it's more of an audio drama style that will involve writing. And uh, the writer, you know, I'm trying to figure out kind of which, what kind of agreement we need to figure out and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, I do actually really want to talk about that show on this show because I think it's going to be a hoot. Um, someone told me but that for um, now there's not a lot to discuss. Someone told me that 60% of what you say on this podcast is a teaser for something else you're going to say on this podcast. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> I think it's adorable because I have to know who you told me I, that? I can't remember, but you have <laughs> you have an innate storytelling sense about you. You love to build suspense and drama. Oh, that's and, for sure. Uh, even I was thinking, I was looking over the titles of the podcast, and I was like, dude, <clears throat> I haven't even listened to these. You know, I, I made them, but I haven't yeah. listened, listened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm interested just by the titles. You have me hooked, my dude. Perfect. Which one stood out to you? It was like, well, I just looked through the drama as it unfolded in Stitcher. Oh, like, oh, oh. Is, is the movie going to be on hold? What will right. Zay do? I wanted to know the answers to those questions. I know. It's actually kind of funny. I was a little bit of an experiment, but that's part of what I like about this show, not to talk about this show. I've gotten some feedback like, <laughs> I don't mind teasing. That's Teasing people for future stuff is fine. I did. Someone did say, like, you talk about the show as much as you talk, which is fine, though, because that's part of what I like about this show is that this show is about making stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And right. a lot of making stuff is preparing to make stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or talking it's not actually about. making stuff or talking about making stuff, preparing, talking about how to prepare to prepare to make stuff. Yeah, we've talked about um, inspiration before, but do you do you ever find yourself putting on music or watching a movie or doing some ritual to get yourself like amped up or inspired for the show? Well, for the show or for anything, like if you have to do some mm. task and you're like, man, I need to get juiced. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like I got to go run a marathon. I'm talking like I got to figure something out. You know, mm-hmm. I've got to spend some time thinking or I've got to spend a, whatever. I got to tackle a project. I got to write something. Is there a ritual that you do? Is there mm-hmm. music that you listen to to get yourself Ooh. in the mindset to make something? Um, Not always. It depends. Sometimes if I'm a little blocked, like writing wise, I like to go to go to the movies because typically I leave the movies with one of two feelings. Feeling one is sometimes I'm leaving this movie early because it's bad or it's not, or or not even if it's bad, I'm leaving this movie early because I am re-inspired by seeing this okay thing, or in some cases this very mediocre thing. 
and it's making me want to go home and do better myself, you know? And, and then there are other times where I'm watching something and I'm like, oh shit, this is so good that I kind of want to go home so that I can do it. You know what I mean? Like there are times where that, that happens. So sometimes I go to the movie, sometimes I watch something at home. Um, I actually have a song that I really have been, li- I, 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 I do have some songs. Do you want to hear one of yeah. the songs that I play yeah, for myself? Definitely. Sometimes, you know, I'll get tucked into bed. We'll have each other on FaceTime. Just put the computer down and snuggle up while you play me a song before I go to sleep. I wish, John, I wish we had a way of doing better audio for this kind of stuff, but I'm just going to play it anyway. Okay. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. Sounds like it's coming out of the back of, like, a Hispanic guy's truck. (laughs) Julio, I love this track, man. It's such a badass. <laughs> Was that Jamaican? I don't know. Um, I'll. Uh, Did you play <laughs> that like out of a tape player in your bathtub? Sounded <laughs> 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 like it was coming it's... through a tin can and a string. <laughs> it was coming through my phone. Thanks, bad. Steve. Yeah, come on, man. No wonder Steve. he died. He had a heart attack when he heard that. <laughs> John, you are on a roll with oh, these insults baby. today, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, heavens. All right. Uh, no, all right. I'm, you know what I'm going to do, though, John? I am going to play you that song in post. Okay. I'll add it in afterwards. But you okay. should go listen to it, and then I want to hear what you think. Here, I'll pretend like I listen to it. Holy shit. What is that song? What's it called? It's it's called uh, Young Lady, You're Scaring Me by a young man named Ron Gallo. Ron Gallo, you've mentioned him before. Um, he's kind of my jam right now. Is this the guy that you sent me one time who makes these, like, he's kind of like a big hipster, and he makes these, like, is he for real, is he not for real music videos? Mm, oh, are you thinking of the one with the guy dancing in the window? It, that sounds about right. Um, that's a different guy. Okay, different guy. Ron Gallo, never heard of him. I'll have to look him up. Uh, yeah, this that song is one of my faves. That song is one of my faves, but he's got a lot of good ones. I've been listening to Father John Misty. Ooh, FJM, as I like to call I, I've never called him that. FJM. Ooh, and I saw him in Atlanta. He was It's awesome. very good. I like it a lot. Also, I've uh, been listening to Astro World. Yo. Oh, check. yeah, we linked to him. We linked to them Astro recently. World. Yeah, yeah, keep listening <laughs> to it. Although, Father you know, John Misty, good. Yeah, yeah, it's a totally different vibe. Although, you know, I do, there's a lot of drug talk mm. in Father John Misty, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's fine. But it's like not necessarily fun drug talk. No, he's, he, I think Father John Misty is very sad. Yeah, it's a little depressing. I mean, mm-hmm. which it, is it wears fine. on me after a while. Yeah. Yeah, and the type of music that you listen to really has an effect on your mood. Anybody who spent like an hour listening through Elliot Smith over and over again knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be careful with the the vibes you put inside of yourself. Speaking of the vibes you take in, you know, and drama and darkness, I feel like we've been so serious yeah, lately. Yeah, I know. And I kind of want this episode to just be a little less serious. Well, I'll see. I mean, we'll see what we can muster, but um, Trump's still president, man. I know. 
<laughs> there's see, people i'm joking but there are people know, out there who that actually affects their like you know love them or hate them how are you gonna I let just, that stuff affect your daily mood people i know i know because here's the thing i'm really not this is really not me trivializing anyone's issues anywhere but i think it's appropriate to recognize there are people living in like china mm. who are okay. happy Everyone yeah. in China is not just miserable all the time. And they have a crazy, crazy oppressive communist government that, like, really doesn't let them live their lives freely, you know? Yeah. But you Look just up can't, their social you, you, credit you, score. It's, that's some terrifying stuff, dude. Have you oh, heard about this? No. Oh, my goodness, dude. I just heard a quote from, the, uh, from some dingus over in China. They have, like, a credit score, but it's basically your social trustworthiness score. And they have it on everybody, and it affects dramatically how society in general interacts with you. Wow. Like, if you can get a table at a restaurant, if you have a higher score, boom, you'll get a seat. If you have a low score, sorry, we don't have a table for you. And is this relating to, like, the amount of contribution you make to the economy, or is it like I don't know. I think it's like, I think it's kind of similar to an actual credit score. It's like, do you pay your bills? Have you gotten traffic tickets? Mm. Uh, Has anybody made- This is their way, basically, of making it so that it's harder to take advantage of, like, a communist system that theoretically provides equal opportunity or something? I think it's- it doesn't, I think it's to, like, terrify people into following the rules. Yeah, You know, wow. it, it really is that Black Mirror episode where you mm-hmm. have that exact thing that uh, you have a score that like follows you around that anybody can see, mm. you know, has and we do this to a, a lesser extent. Like if you have if you're a felon, we sort of ostracize you from mm-hmm. society forever, even if you're out, you know, after mm-hmm. you've done your time or whatever. If you're a felon, you can't live in certain places. You can't <clears throat> vote in a lot of states. It's just scary, man. We're heading down a uh, weird path. That is very strange. Yeah, it's going to be even. I wonder how they check your score. They look you up, or you have like a card. That's such a great question. I have no idea. Well, now I'm depressed again. Yeah, let's talk about something else. Okay. So, John, you've actually texted me something that I thought was very interesting. Um, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> It's just another monkey meme, just like oh, a monkey throwing poop at a window. <laughs> um, it was a it was a, a video, a behind the scenes video of a uh, one shot take. Aha! Uh-huh. Yes, that was a cool, cool video. I'll I'll describe the video, but then I can't. Well, you you describe the video. Um, I watched it so many times. Um, it's kind of hard to follow. It's basically a mm-hmm. split screen, and on one side you see the the finished product or the film of what was i don't even know what it was it looked like something michelle gondry or one of those guys made Mm -hmm. you know that is to say there's a real there's a camera there's no green screen Mm -hmm. it's in a room like a 10 by 10 10 foot by 10 foot room Mm -hmm. and um there's a person in there with a camera and an actor a few actors a few actors and they're doing stuff in the room like somebody will walk over and put something down the camera will follow them, and as the camera moves back, something else is happening. Like a wall has shifted like behind, behind them. the camera. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it, it it's very like sort of disorienting when you see it. Um, 
what's the movie uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Eternal Spotless Sunshine Mind Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah used, did this a ton like in the scenes at the end where he's uh, at the beach and the house is collapsing and every time he turns around there's something different in the house that shouldn't be there or a wall has mm-hmm. moved or a, you know something like that and it's fascinating to see the process man there's like six people hustling moving mm-hmm. walls and placing props and it's crazy. The thing that st- stuck out to me also was the audio mm-hmm. that they're going to have to go back and dub all that. I know because there's people well, in the room like shouting, like "Okay, move left, pull the wall right. out," right? That kind of crap. That's so that brings up that exactly that um that brings up what I think is kind of an interesting question point whatever about things of that nature. Which, to me, I saw that, and I was like, hmm, this is cool. But I see a, I, I, I see sometimes people are like, oh, you know, we're going to, like, they're experimenting, which I get that it's an experiment, but sometimes people just are so impressed with the one-take right. thing, the, the long take. Because it's like, a, it is, a, it is a, such a precise choreography. Yes, um, which is great, but my philosophy is that it needs to serve the story sure yeah okay and And i think sometimes people get real hung up on like i think sometimes people get real hung up on oh my gosh it's one take or oh my gosh that one long take was so cool and i'm like yeah that's cool but also i i don't love when things distract me Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes i think my favorite one takes are things that you don't even notice until afterwards yeah Unless it's like a music video. I think this was probably a music video or something. But I just I, – I, there have been a few – you know, with digital – it used to be impossible because like a reel of film – No, it did. You know what it was? Like it's, 10 minutes. it's whatever the new Jim Carrey thing on Netflix is. Uh-huh. I think. Because somebody like Michelle Gondry – who's the other guy like that? The American one who did the Bjork videos. There's three uh-huh. guys – um, or no, he's a Hold Frenchman. On, I'm trying to think. You know, Michelle Gondry, Chris Cunningham, yeah. and who's the third guy? Spike Jones. Spike Jones. I think it might be Spike Jones, dude, and Jim Carrey. The new thing they're doing on Netflix. How do we not know this? Because I'm watching Stranger Things two with my life partner. Mm. Came out like How six years it? ago. I've already I already watched six, it. It's pretty six. good. <laughs> See, the like the thing months. is, the reason I love that one shot thing is because it's mm-hmm. real. Like in mm-hmm. in Stranger Things, it's such a great story. They did something so precisely, like capturing that nostalgia, mm-hmm. that that feeling of the eighties of like when a lot of us were kids, or mm-hmm. you know whatever we were on one side or the other of that timeline. We totally, you could totally relate to that. But as soon as they bring the computers in and make all the CGI crap, it's mm. it looks like trash. All the work that they did to get like Pepsi cans from 1980, mm. it all gets thrown out the window when you see some guy. What I think of when I see like a monster that's obviously not there is I see some nerd mm. in Silicon Valley like drawing this thing. It's so distracting. Mm. So the one shot is cool because it's, there's it's trickery. But your brain can't quite figure out what's going on because it looks and it is real. Hmm. It's a better, much, much better magic trick. Hmm. But that's just Man, that's... that's just a critique of the thing. Like I agree with you that if you did that throughout a movie, yeah, it's going to be super distracting. 
Mm-hmm. But that's why, like, in that, uh, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, it fits perfectly. It's a guy who's, like, losing his mind. He's losing his right. orientation. It totally makes sense. No, I totally agree. I mean, that's, I think there are people like Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry who do that and do it well. I think, though, I, I don't know. I was having a, a conversation recently with somebody <clears throat> who was programming a, a small film festival. Like a really, like a newer, smaller, like a very small film festival. No, this is not like me trying to be impressive. I'm just, it's, it's. I was, I was going to say, who was it? What's his name? Rob, Mr. Rob Redford. (laughs) No, it was a a lady, a lady folk. Mm. And uh, no, but we were talking and she was showing me this one short that had been submitted Mm. and it was like 10 minutes long. And she was like, look, it's so cool. Like the whole thing is done in one shot. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I watched it, and it was fine. But there were, t- but there <laughs> were times where I was cuts. like, yeah, there should have been a bunch of cuts because cut. the truth is, because the, 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 the actors didn't nail it. And right. there were moments where I was like, no, nah, that's why you cut. You and gotta Because I'm bored it. right now. I don't, half, to me, half the fun of editing is being like, I don't need to go from this space to this other space uninterrupted. That's dead boring time unless you figure out a way to use it really interestingly, and you didn't. So right now I'm actually just bored that you did a one-shot instead of – but I think people get hung up on it. What I was going to say earlier is it used to be that the longest take you could do was, you know, like 12 minutes or however long a real – like a can of film was. But now with digital, there are people literally shooting – entire movies in mm-hmm. one take yeah and i'm so bored by that because yeah. because to me you're right it is a cool magic trick but at the same time i'm not watching a movie for technical spectacle usually i'm almost always watching a movie because i want to be t- transported to a place and when you do that you're just limiting yourself in terms of like I can only get so close to these things. I can only move through the space so quickly. I can only do it so many times. And I think the real magic of movies comes with the combination of all of these things, you know, with Mm. editing and blocking and all of it folding itself in on it together. And so I'm kind of like, that's great that you can do a one take, but you're just arbitrarily eliminating some of the most important tools of filmmaking, which is editing and certain types of camera movement that are no longer possible if you put the camera on a steady cam. Yeah, to like coin an analogy, when I was a kid, I saw some video of these uh, dudes break dancing, you know? Mm-hmm. And they did this move called the turtle. And Ooh. you get on the floor, basically, you put, you put both your hands down on the floor, your palms on the floor, you put your arms crooked into your stomach and you kind of prop yourself up, right? Like you're I'm doing. I'm trying to picture this. Basically, instead of your hands being out in a push-up position, they're in. Mm. Your hand, your your palm, your uh, fingers are pointing towards your feet. Okay. And you push are you yourself balancing up. Balancing on your hands. You're yeah. You're balancing on your hands, and you, all your weight goes on your elbows, and you're propped up flat. You know. It's called mm-hmm. the turtle. 
Got and it. so I learned this move. It's like a feat of strength and you you can rotate. Like if you move your hands, you can rotate around. That's kind of the trick. Got it. Right. Let me see if I can do it. Let me see it's, if I can do it. It's hard. I could do it. I could still do it. I, I don't know if I can rotate, but I could do that because it's basically a push-up balance. I did it. Yeah, you can do it. Can't move, though. Okay, so if you can – when I was a kid, I'm like 16, and I'm scrawny, but I got a little like lean muscles on me, and I could get down and do that, and I could spin around like sort of fast. Yeah, I could like whip myself almost. But it's not mm. like – it's a cool thing to do around your friends, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to go to a breakdancing competition with, like, one sort of cool trick that I mastered. Uh, I'm not going to compete there. And that's what these guys no. are doing. Like, yeah, you got a cool trick here, man. But it's the whole package. Like, 2001 Space right. Odyssey. Yeah, it had a technically a, a, a lots of camera tricks and, like, a mm-hmm. technical style. But that doesn't mean shit if the entire story is not captivating. No, and you can appreciate the movie without knowing anything about whether or not he's doing long takes or why that's impressive. Right. Yeah. I saw it as a kid and I was like, and it, it, it amazed it, it, it me. It transports you somewhere. Film. Exactly. Right. It transports you to a place and a time and a, and a story regardless. And, and I just, I think, I think it just under, I think there's this obsession with these tools because people are like, saying like oh vr is going to replace movies for example right i think that's insanity nope and there's a lot of reasons for that but again the biggest one i think comes down to editing and perspective like the director's number one job i'm not talking about writer directors i'm talking about the director because there are a lot of crazy like pantheon level directors who don't even write most of their stuff like scorsese Mm -hmm. and but he's still, these are his movies, and it's because his job is to obviously manage actors and, and come up with the way things look, but like his main, most important job is dictating where the perspective of the audience is, like where the camera is pointed and how he's telling a story through movement of the camera, but also just through static placement of the camera, but also through editing. And it's all of those things. And so, yeah, there are times, like in Goodfellas, which is one of the most famous wanders ever, there are times where I want to do this uninterrupted, realistic follow shot down through the basement of the Coco Cabana or whatever. What is that place? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that even what it is? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I want to go through and I want to like feel like I'm that guy. Yeah. There's like a really, really specific... Exactly. You want to be the guy walking right behind him Mm -hmm. and he's leading you in and he creates that feeling where you're like, whoa, I get to be a made man. Like I get to like go to this club and have a table set for me right at the beginning, right at the front. That's an exciting feeling, but he doesn't use that all the time. You know, there are times where the camera needs to be higher or lower or right up in somebody's face. And I'm not saying limitations can't be good, but I do think, it's just not exciting to me to, to, to arbitrarily cut off that many possibilities, you know? And I think VR is the same way. It's like, I don't want my audience to be able to look at a blank wall Mm -hmm. during a conversation between two very important characters. I want them to be forced to be right up in this person's face in a way that's going to make them uncomfortable almost, or in a way that in a different sense, I want to, 
create distance between people. Like that's my job as a director. And if I have somebody through my story just kind of wandering around and not paying attention, that lack of forced perspective to me is the is the biggest thing that's going to make all of that impossible. And I think in some cases these long wonners I don't know. I mean, part of the way this is relevant to rollers specifically is because I actually do like long takes. I, I think they're really interesting, but my philosophy that I want to experiment with with long takes is, well, real quick, a lot of these long takes that we're talking about, that it's used with, do you know what a Steadicam is, John? Yeah. Okay. I guess we should, I'll, I'll really quick explain it. Basically, a Steadicam is this vest, basically, that a camera operator wears that then has this... Um, multi-part arm that's loaded with springs and it's really heavy and then the camera sits on the end of this arm and the springs balance out the movement of the person's body so the camera looks like it's kind of floating in space does that make sense yeah and so but the thing about steadicam is you're typically like locked in a very specific focal length which means the movement of the camera is typically happening by moving the feet of the person going but like you're basically limited to where that person can walk yeah which can sometimes work really well but see i like the idea of longer takes that have become less common in part because sometimes they're more expensive but like some of my favorite longer takes are the way like spielberg does longer takes or something where you barely even recognize that they're that you're watching what's called a master shot which is usually usually masters is kind of a wider shot that sort of you cut into specific close-ups and other things from that, but that's sort of like your main unfolding of the scene. But his masters will often incorporate really cool camera movement. And I'll post some examples, but basically you might start in a wide, but then you might the camera might drift over on tracks and then zoom in on one particular character, and then that person walks and then they go away, and then we change per- perspectives a little bit. But all of it might still be one shot, but it doesn't feel like this like basic kind of uh, you know fixed perspective one. Or it you, you almost don't even recognize that it's a one or because you're cutting in and out and you're getting closer and further away. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I just now I'm stuck on you mentioning Spielberg, and all I can picture is Tom Hanks in like one of those stupid spandex suits with dots all over him filming Polar Express. <laughs> How is that That's, filmmaking? That is such a uh, joke. That actually, I mean, I'm getting furious right now. No, 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 John. Think about okay that. Think of that as an animated movie, though. I mean, like I think animated movies are every bit the movie that a non-animated movie are personally. I, I agree. Horror. I agree. What's a good animated so, movie you've seen? Uh, Inside Out. What's that? Uh, oh, Pixar yeah, movie that about Pixar emotions. Movie. Ratatouille. Yeah, that was good. Ratatouille is a good. banging movie. Uh, Iron Giant's good. I got two barn burners for you. Okay, hit me. Um, Ooh, My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah, those are pretty good, and mine's Ooh, in a similar a vein. But it's not those movie. Miyazaki. Okay. Those are a little too fluffy for me. Ooh, uh, dude! Ouch. Two good movies. One, Ghost in the Shell, the original oh. Ghost in the Shell. Was is that a, an? It's an anime, right? It is an anime. It's a hybrid. It was one of the first movies that used uh, digital illustration. You know, hmm. 
So it's half like illustrated and half digital. And it's a beautiful, it's just beautifully shot, beautifully drawn Mm -hmm. movie. And the concepts are like really kind of hard to, hard to grasp and Mm -hmm. very, very complex, very complex, interesting concepts about the mind, the internet technology. What does it mean to be human and interact with technology? Uh, And along those exact same lines, Akira, have you ever seen that? No. Oh man, Akira. Akira is like a 1988 anime uh along similar lines, you know, it's a lot of Japanese fear about the A bomb, all that stuff. Mm. It's fantastic and they're both just gorgeous. That's cool. Very very good. Go watch them. I Yeah, see, but that's okay. Animated stuff, for example, is is actually a great to me a great illustration, no pun intended, of uh, uh, it really wasn't intended, but um, that's my laugh. That's how I'm gonna start laughing. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like you're gonna get me tooed with that laugh. <laughs> how do I just get me tooed? <laughs> For me, that I find that laugh to be offensive. Oh, okay, got it. Um, and our listenership went to zero. I um. What I'm we trying to say up is some controversy. Oh, baby. What I'm trying to say though is I'm not trying to just arbitrarily be a snob because I think people can shoot movies however they want. I just I do I have a problem with laziness and I think sometimes um people can rely on longer takes under the guise of challenge and creative limitations and really what they're doing is they're trying to avoid having to make more creative decisions about how to make this how to tell this story visually and i think that's an unfortunate compromise that people make i'm always skeptical of like film for any category of life but putting yourself into like a category like i remember reading about these um there were these like film societies usually in france you know where they're Mm. like we're only gonna shoot the movie outside and we're only gonna say these 25 words Mm -hmm. and like 16 directors that a lot of them go on to be famous you know they decide to join this club and they make like 10 terrible movies Mm -hmm. of like a skinny french guy and gal outside smoking and saying these 25 words truffaut I, I, there's a ton of examples, and it's like, why are you confining yourself to this? What mm-hmm. is the what's the purpose here? And I understand, like, hey, we want to shoot outside only, or we want to use natural mm-hmm. light only. Sure, that makes that's fine. That's like an aesthetic. But why mm-hmm. arbitrarily limiting yourself with these rules? Come on, it's a joke. See, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I want people to set out to make the best movie they can make, and. I know that sounds obvious, but again, these limitations that people start putting on themselves, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get that, that limitation unless it's purely intended to be an experiment, but don't expect me to want to watch it. Right. You know, right, right, right. I'm not going to, I, I want to, I, I got plenty of good stuff to watch. I don't, for instance, like the three camera sitcom, you know, there's certain yeah. limitations to what you can do on a three camera sitcom, but people it also opens possibilities i think that's the key it it creates a new art form which when it was mastered by people like you know jerry seinfeld and certain other shows um it's amazing and it still holds up and it's great but 
there's nothing inherently better or worth doing those limitations except for the ways that you are able to exploit the differences if you actually choose to exploit them. Now, does that make sense? Because I think yeah. a lot of people, like with this whole Steadicam thing, it is a crutch and it limits them in a way that is an excuse, I guess is really what I'm trying to get down to. Um, well, also, like, who who's not kind of sick of seeing drone footage? You know, there's oh, like, or like so GoPro footage. Bored. There, there's like a oh. month, you know, when the GoPro comes out, and it's like, holy crap, look at this guy fishing. Look at this uh, GoPro on his bike spoke. People are like, oh, my God, we're going to make movies that look like Hollywood movies with phones. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's crazy. <clears throat> and listen, yeah, maybe maybe like 20 of those are still worth watching out of the yep. 200 trillion that have been made. Everything ebbs and flows. Like, same thing with AR. Everybody, as soon as AR comes out, everyone's like, it's going to change absolutely everything. No, mm-hmm. it's not. They're going to make 1% of movies for AR. It's yep. going to be a tiny, tiny segment that might be great. It might be cool, but it's not going to take over everything. Like, right. every time something new comes out, everybody goes nuts. Uber's out. Nobody is going to buy a car ever again. Like, no, yeah. man. That's no, not people, I, I hear this all the time, dude. Like, at festivals and stuff, people are like, oh, man, you got to get into VR. Got to mm-hmm. get into, like, 3D. And I'm just thinking, nah, don't care. You know, like, you know who uh, still exists? Like, Howard Stern. He still yeah. uses radio. And right. there are people like that. And people still love that. And we're doing a podcast right now. This is... At the end of the day, th- this podcast, here we go. I'm talking about ourselves again, Uh-oh. but whatever. No, but this podcast is a great example. I'm intentionally uninterested in filming this podcast. Some people film their podcasts. I don't want to film the podcast because the whole point is that you don't have to watch it. I don't want to watch this. I want to listen to it while I do shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't, and, and the same is true for like VR. I don't want to experience a movie necessarily inside the movie. There are times where I want to watch it in front of me. And you made the point that how many great works of art have been made on a rectangular canvas. I think that's a great example. There's still art worth making on a rectangular canvas. Even though we have videos, people are like, why would you make that's to me, to me, you know, Saying like VR is going to take over everything is basically as idiotic as saying we have cameras, so why would anyone ever paint? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Yeah. The whole point is to exploit the art form and the medium for what you can can tell with it, and you can do things that are completely different. Now, to your point about um, Polar Express, I think there are certain times where animated movies – for instance, can do things that you never in a million years could do live action. So Ratatouille is a great example. Not only can you not have a talking rat. You could that train actually... a rat to do that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to make Ratatouille, it's not that hard. It's like zucchini. In a, All right, but in there are shots where, like, okay, some of my favorite shots, though, are things that are virtually impossible. Like, I'm racing behind a rat running through a sewer, and it's totally cinematic and totally interesting and totally exciting. Or... I have the rat's POV as he's like pulling the kid's hair from inside his hat and I'm like seeing through the mesh of the hat while he's cooking. That's something you physically can't do ever with a camera. Yeah. No matter how small cameras get because so that's the kind of stuff that I'm like great. They are exploiting the animated art form to its fullest extent and that to me is very exciting. 
Some kid now, is breeding rats right now for this exact purpose to shoot a film with them. <laughs> Dude, CRISPR, he's got a CRISPR set up. He's modifying their genes. CRISPR is so crazy. John, can you tell us about CRISPR? I know a little bit about it, but I'm sure I, I some people I really... Don't. Somebody asked me... I think we've talked about it before. I just am not capable of... You're not um, qualified. I'm just not. I mean, I know it's, it's a gene, gene... It's gene scissors, yeah, right? Yeah, basically. Isn't that it's the a basic, gene, Yeah. Yeah, it's a, do, a do-it-yourself gene editing kit. And you I just can, don't even get it. Well, you can buy different like little kits. I've looked it up before. You can buy a kit to like change the genes of bacteria and you'll get a little kit and you can screw with it and uh, but but people are using it to change their own genetics like if a guy has uh the gene for hodgkin's lymphoma he theoretically could take this kit and change his genetics and turn that gene off mm-hmm. theoretically is the key word there though right people have been doing it people have are mm. i mean it's a publicly wow. traded company it's not some like little scam you know that's insane uh it's crazy but and then some guy creates a super virus yeah i mean somebody just said i just saw an article i guess yesterday that stephen hawking's one of his that guy everybody brings that guy up about mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. as if he's a just because the guy knows a lot about astronomy i will knows, say though I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off. But have you read a brief history of time? Yeah, I did. It's pretty cool. College. Yeah, it's very good. It's great. But that guy, it doesn't mean he knows about like romance. Oh, 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 sure, sure, sure. Just saying that they pull that guy out for everything. Like no, he thought Donald Trump should be president. So what? Yeah, anyway, no, um, I, uh, yeah. But he he said that the the next threat to humanity is that the uber wealthy will edit their genes and there will just be two very distinct classes of humans. Those with altered genes who are far superior and those with mm. unaltered genes who would be prone to disease and starvation, all that kind of stuff. You know how we that, are currently. That yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that makes some sense. I think one thing that I've been thinking about lately though, is I don't care how much you alter my genes I don't know that I want to live forever, even if I could be healthy. Yeah. The only I kind really of genes I want to alter are my Levi's, I would just baby. get so... <laughs> get those tapered in. <laughs> I just don't want to live in this world for that much longer. It's depressing. Yeah. I mean, I want to live to see President Kanye. Mm-hmm. That seems like a distinct possibility, and I want mm-hmm. to be around... Dude, I was listening... In when, the, when the American government really does actually become a reality TV show. He starts like every presidential address by saying, like, America, let's rap. Mm-hmm. You know, like a youth pastor be, who yeah, turns his chair around. He, hey, buddy, let's he'd rap. He'd be the first president seen not in a suit. I love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Wear a long t-shirt. Uh, yeah, I want to live to see that, but not much past like inauguration day mm-hmm. i want to oh, yeah. see him perform through the wire on inauguration day and then i and then i can croak mm-hmm. yeah but when do you think that'll happen 2036 <sighs> who knows mm-hmm. seriously yeah, it's really Don, hard i mean no it is hard to say game show host current president we rapper that is not a stretch could be sooner um yeah ronald reagan did it yeah, he's he was kind of like a rapper. Yeah, um, LBJ. He no, was but, a rapper. Yeah, <laughs> I heard. I heard. Uh, uh, John Adams dabbled. I don't mm. think he ever like uh, you know. Um, well, 
so, but John, I, the thing about rollers, this actually is relevant in some ways as well to kind of the previous conversation we were having about limitations with my own budget. Um, because one of the things that I was running into is having conversations with my DP about my vision for the movie, which is that I want this movie. And again, this is going to kind of sound like, well, duh, what else do you want it to look like? But I, I do think it's different. I want this movie to, I, I'm more inspired by people like PT Anderson and Wes Anderson and Steven Soderbergh. But I, I'm interested in that kind of filmmaking or Fellini, for instance. Like, I'm interested in really interesting choices visually than I am in kind of this whole movement of the only really important thing is what happens in front of the camera. I think that's the core philosophy of a lot of this kind of new movement of digital filmmaking is that the actual method of capture is very unimportant compared to the authenticity of what takes place in front of the camera. And the, and, and I think they're much more unified. I think the, the a, a good movie doesn't put one above the other. It's like form and function um, in design. I think they have to inform each other and support each other. You can't just arbitrarily say like, oh, it's really authentic moments that are improvised, but in order to capture those, we have to give up all of our control over the uh, over the, the method of capture because otherwise we can't get those moments in an authentic way. And I'm kind of like, well, then work harder. Like you've said, you do lose a lot of the spontaneity, but work harder to get better actors and write better scripts so that it holds up under the scrutiny of many, many takes. And then do stuff that's more interesting. That's how I feel. You can and I also see a lot go, of young uh, filmmakers just get real lazy. Sorry, go ahead. No, you could just go the easy rider route and just get the uh, cast of four in a New Orleans cemetery, give them all tabs of acid, and just let them go to town. See, that is a classic Hollywood story. And in some ways, that's fine because it serves the moment. Like the moment in that story we'll link to that scene. The moment in that story is this chaotic, intense thing. And that may have been the best way to capture that. You know, I gotta say, but my it, point is like with rollers, I want very specific moments. I want to be completely in control of where the viewer's eye is at all times. I never, ever want for even a second for the viewer to be thinking, why am I looking at this? I never even want them to think about what they're looking at. I just want them to be watching the movie and along for the ride, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of – it sounds like you're talking about Rear Window. You ever see the movie Rear Window? Rear Window is a freaking masterpiece. It's a great movie, and it's – Speaking of limitations. Yeah, 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 and the entire movie, you know, sort of is about, I guess, a metaphor for filmmaking, or it could be construed that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's voyeurism and the male gaze. But you know what I'm saying though? Like I just think I I just think it's like okay, great. You can make a movie on an iPhone. That doesn't mean you should. You know, unless you're just actually trying to experiment, but I just think it has to serve the story and I'm not interested. I don't know. Maybe I'm just ranting. Do you now. know nationally if if uh what the rates of movie viewership like at the actual theater what what have those been doing in the last like decade 
Um, I think the actual number of admissions, meaning the number of people going, has been in somewhat steady, but not like epic decline. Okay. Um, but That's sort I of think what I would the have overall box office numbers in terms of revenue have been growing. I think simply because the ticket prices have been going up. I think it's kind of a typical. Um, it, it's sort of a typical like legacy product sort of thing where like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where the actual sales numbers are going down, but the prices are going up, so it seems to be stabilized. That that's sure. the impression I'm getting. Yeah, I guess there's also other other ways to make money now too, not mm-hmm. just at the box office. But yeah, yeah but, you I know, it actually used to be that it actually used to be that the box office was a less important component of the financial play because there was blockbuster and you would sell. If you were even a mild box office success, you could sell f- four copies of your movie to every single blockbuster in the country at like 60 bucks a pop. And because you you you, you know blockbuster had to buy movie the the contracts, you know, you buy them cuz you're renting them out and so you buy them higher. And so video was actually the way you made most of your money back in the day. You know, I Halloween's coming up here. I don't know if we want to date ourselves necessarily, but spooky season is upon us. Mm -hmm. And I have such vivid memories of going to the uh, Blockbuster up in South Jersey when I was a little, little tyke, you know, with my mom and dad going to look for like uh, Little House on the Prairie cassette tapes. Mm. And you'd like break away from your mom's death grip and (laughs) go over to the horror section, you know? Yeah, and they had like I was terrified of horror movies. I don't particularly like them now, mm-hmm. but I still to this day I was just having this conversation with somebody. I still to this day remember uh, cassette tape covers of movie mm-hmm. of movies. The one that sticks out in my mind most now that it's spooky season, we all should watch. I've never seen it. Is Dead Alive? Have you ever heard of this mm. movie? No, I haven't heard of it. Look up the box cover. It's terrifying. It's like a beautiful okay. woman who has her hands in her mouth like she's trying to pull her mouth open and she has sort of a surprised look on her face and inside of her mouth is like a little demon thing like a face oh i think uh, i'm looking at it now that's an excellent cover yeah it's pretty good i think uh the Whoa, the go- this is called according to some publication the goriest fright film of all time I'm pretty sure it was made by Peter Jackson, the guy that did Lord of the Rings. That sounds like not my kind of movie, to be TBH, totally honest. You know, not a lot of people know this, but before Peter Jackson made Lord of the Rings, he was out Mm -hmm. in New Zealand making these, like, pretty shock, not shocking, but gratuitous uh, slasher movies. Mm. These, like, really kind of over-the-top... movies? Over-the-top B-movie splatter films. You know what they call, you know, I think there's a, I, I wish I remembered exactly what it is, but I think it's called Boobs, Blood, and Beer. Ah. Or something. Yeah. It sounds That sounds um, like quite a mixture. I think there's like a subgenre of, of slasher where it's just like the more blood, the more nudity, the better. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 That's what he um, used to do. And then he made Lord of the Rings. That's so interesting. Um. Well, anyway, I I think we'll keep talking about all of this more um, because I I don't want to be a hater. You know, I don't want to hate on people who make things that they like. 
I heard somebody I say recently this phrase, uh, what you say I am, you are. What you say I am. I'm thinking about that. You are. It's confusing. What you say I am, you are. That's it. Oh, so a, it's like, it's like, uh, what I'm, I'm rubber and you're glue and whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Not, not quite. It's more like if I'm accusing you of, uh, uh, being dishonest, maybe it's because mm. I'm dishonest. Ah, or if I'm accusing oh, so, you of oh. being a bad friend, maybe it's because I'm a bad friend. Oh, John, so you're saying because I'm accusing these filmmakers of being lazy and unimaginative, I am lazy and unimaginative. It may be the case. Ooh, oh, gauntlet thrown down, baby. right? People are always like, if if you uh, if you've got time to sit around to criticize the other guy, you're not working hard enough yourself. I might have to quit this podcast then. <laughs> yeah, our podcast length runs from one hour to about six minutes if uh, we can't <laughs> criticize people. Um, no, that's actually super interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't want to just sit around being a hater. I think I wouldn't even bother mentioning it except that it provides helpful context for what I do want to do. Mm. I, I have no interest in – I don't spend a lot of time thinking about all the shitty movies that I don't want to watch. I'm just purely saying I'm excited about spending more time differentiating rollers. You know, I've even been doing a ton of music research and I've had to catch myself being uh, sort of enticed by trends and thinking, you know, I was just having a conversation with my music supervisor and I was like, I think part of what scares me is that I don't want rollers to be stale job ever. Music super <laughs> the guy the what is that guy doing right now? He's at a coffee shop like scanning for chicks. Oh man, sitting there listening, bobbing his head to some songs. Get <laughs> real, get real, Travis. Like, yeah, this is some good shit. Get a real uh, job, dude. Are you kidding right. me? I you, will say, mom, dad, in I got defense. a job. What are you doing, Jeremy? Oh, I'm a, I'm a music <laughs> supervisor. What? <laughs> you went to Harvard, Jeremy. <laughs> what are you doing? He's at a coffee okay. shop right now, going through like minor threat albums. John, just for sh- just because you know, I like to tease future things. Mm. I'm gonna go ahead and say we're gonna get Rylan on here, and I want you. Oh to my! Give goodness. him the hardest of times about what he does. I'm gonna. I can, I can, I can tell you do it's, this it's, to his. It's face. important and complex. Oh yes, you can. All right. I, I can oh, tell you man. it is very complicated because a lot Sorry, of it's man. like, no, he's fine. He doesn't care. He liked that minor um, threat reference. He knows I'm for real, bro. I'm for real. I appreciate you, but come on. No, I think I think the reason I think you should do it to his face is because I think I music supervisors actually do a lot, and so I think uh, you might be surprised. But uh-huh, yeah. I love the stereotype, and I think it's probably about thirty percent accurate. I think it's too small of a niche for it to be there to be a stereotype. This is just common sense, bro. That if you're mm. if you're a music supervisor, you are living fat. Mm. I mean, in See, the sense the thing that is, you're not actually the thing doing is, real is work. like all these different people own music supervisors are basically a big part of their job is negotiating deals because a lot of different people own different pieces of the rights to music the way it's the way it's published and so there's typically two sides there's like the whoever owns the original copyright of the music itself and then whoever owns the rights to the recording 
And you have to find both of those groups. Sometimes they're the same person, but a lot of times they're not. You have to find those groups and you have to get them both to agree to let the music be used in something. Oh. And then you have to get them both to agree to the same price, usually. Right. Gotcha. And it starts okay. to get very complicated. Well, I, you know what? I take it back. I didn't realize that. No, don't in, take it back. Well, okay. in addition to No, you can't sitting, take it back. No take backs. In addition to sitting in a coffee house and listening to music, I already called you Ryland. also have to make six phone calls. I'm so sorry. I did not realize that. <laughs> Come on, oh. bro. There are guys out there. There's a guy right now who's been on a roof for 14 hours. That is and this guy's heinously like, oh, oh, true. Hey, guys, I can't talk. I got to go get some work done. And he puts his headphones on and pushes play on his computer. <laughs> oh, I just had a real stressful day. I had to make two phone calls and listen to 14 albums. That sounds like my day yesterday, actually. Oh, man. Two, two phone calls and 14 albums. And you know what, John? I was tired at the end. This, I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. This is peak bubble. America oh, is done. Man. We got we yeah, got producers. We got podcasters, music supervisors. This is this is la-la land, my man. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's enough roofers in America to keep this place together. You're right. Dude, we are well, screwed. Maybe... This guy, when the when the when the you know what hits the fan, mm. and they're like everybody's sitting around a campfire trying to like dole out responsibilities and who deserves mm. to eat food. You know the guy, <laughs> like you got a doctor, you got a guy who built a house, and then a music supervisor. Bro, mm. you are in trouble. All right, fair. Rylan's toast. Rylan, I'm sorry, you're toast. I will say though, John. There's always been somebody sitting around a campfire telling good stories. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That yeah. guy has always had a place in the village. Yeah. You need the village idiot. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep the morale up. Yeah, exactly. Um, not that, well, on that, that now note, we're on a speaking different topic of, here. The music supervisor is not a village idiot. I take uh, that. You know what? I, oh, you already said it, John. I'm the master of this. Uh, it's too late. I'm not cutting them out. I'm leaving them in, mm-hmm. baby. You're stuck with it. I do think about that a lot, actually. I'm like, am I going to regret saying this in three years when this podcast is still available for download? I think the biggest fear that people have is that an employer, a future employer, or possibly a future spouse, Mm. that's really it. Like, People would say so many more things if they were not afraid of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Or as we learn, some people. But dude, also people don't seem that slapped. I was gonna say some people don't seem that afraid of saying things because I just don't even go on Facebook for that very reason. I'm like, don't you? I I don't think you would say this. Is what I'm thinking in my head. I don't think you would say that to your dad. So why Mm -hmm. are you putting it on Facebook? Yeah, I don't get that. If you're too much, you know, if you're not willing to have that conversation in person, you certainly shouldn't be willing to have it with strangers i used to work at this insurance company right and i Mm -hmm. um i had to miss work because i was going to get these life insurance tests you know oh sure and it wasn't because you were uh doing drugs or well no it wasn't i don't i didn't do (laughs) drugs they didn't drug test us but i don't do drugs and like i live in the south you know drugs are illegal whatever but i wrote on twitter i did not this was a joke. It was a hundred percent a joke. I was actually going to get life insurance tests. They take your blood. Mm-hmm. They they actually do drug tests. So it was a hundred percent a joke. But yeah. I wrote on Twitter at Mario Batali because Mario Batali at the time was taking questions, and everyone's like, 
what's your favorite ingredient in ragu? You know, all this mm. dumb shit. So I wrote to him, yo, at Mario Batali, how do you get the the weed smell out of your hair for a life insurance test? <laughs> You know, and it was a joke, dude. And I tweeted it and I thought like, oh, my brother is going to see it and think it's funny. But he saw it and he retweeted it and he responded to me. Mario Batali did. Mario Batali wrote back and he was like, ha ha, OMG, try shampoo, right? Something like that. But wow. now all of a sudden I'm on Mario Batali. You know, he's got at the time like 100,000 people followers. It's not oh, like Oh, I today. bet it was more than that. This was years ago though. Okay. Before he was a big time celeb. You know, he was on TV and stuff. Like he was definitely famous, but not. You know, whatever. Okay. So all of a sudden, I'm on his feed, dude, and I'm getting hundreds of people like, Whoa. ha-ha, OMG, retweet, LOL. But what I forgot was that my Twitter account was set up to my work email, dude. Oh, geez. So I'm out of, you know, I'm out of the office. I'm out of the building. And oh, whoever geez. is covering for me is seeing, like, hundreds of emails. Like, you got And it's tweet. an insurance company, so yeah. they're, like, obsessed yeah. with risk assessment. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm talking about aye, aye, drugs aye. on there. So, you know, I knew, like, uh, some girl or a group of, like, coworkers. One, uh, the reason I said girls is a mentor of mine who worked with. I knew she would see the emails, but I was absolutely panicking. Like, I'm going to get fired mm. over this joke. And uh, the next day I went in, and I saw her, and she, I said, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I saw it. I just deleted everything. And that was the oh, end of it. Thank but goodness. It would have been, I would have gotten terminated, dude, for sure. Mm. But it was a joke. Mm. But you know what I did learn at that life insurance test? The lady. I don't know. Took my blood and, and I said, what do you check for? She's like, you know, we check for cancer, AIDS, all the stuff because they're mm. going to give you life insurance, you know? And I said, oh, have you ever had to tell anybody bad news? I bet you have, right? And she said, oh, I had to tell a, a, a local pastor that he had AIDS. Whoa. Uh oh. Look out. Wow. And then I That's immediately intense. wondered who is she gonna tell my confidential information to now that she's already told me this. Mm. She's just out there spilling the beans. I know, isn't that funny? You know, I just had a conversation with my therapist because we she was like, Can I tell you a story? And I'm not going to say who it was or what the story was because that's part of the problem or point, not problem. Mm -hmm. But yeah. she started telling the story and I was like, Is this person's name X? And she was like, yes. <laughs> I knew the person that the story was about, and -uh. that person had told me the same story. No way. Yeah. Yes. And it's an industry person. So I guess it's a little less weird, but this person doesn't even live in Los Angeles. They live in a different city. Uh -huh. And I had been at this person's house. They had told me the same story, and this person happens to be that my therapist's sister-in-law. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Were the stories and, different? Uh, no. It was the same story. It involved a famous director, and it's actually a really good story that I wish I could tell, but oh, I'm not I see. going it's to. It's not a contentious story. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It was more of an anecdote. Mm -hmm. um, and so it wasn't an invasion of anyone's privacy that she was telling me the story because obviously this other person told me the same story. So it's not like – it's it's more of like a cool – not cool. It's a very unfortunate story actually, but it's also just a – it's the kind of story that you – you're allowed to tell it's more just it was just very weird because we're i'm sitting in my therapist's office and it turns out that she's telling me an anecdote about someone who i know who also told me the same story it was mm -hmm. a, a weird moment um 
But it's okay. Those things happen. It kind of makes you wonder. You know when somebody you know tells you the same thing over and over again? Oh, boy. Like, I'm positive I do that, especially as I'm getting older. Someone needs to go back, and I bet if someone cut out everything that we've repeated on this show, we'd have about one and a half episodes worth of content. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah, but there are, like, you go to a family's house or whatever, and you can kind of instantly tell, like, if they have some story that they're just dying Mm -hmm. to tell. Like, oh, we met so-and-so one time. Mm -hmm. People get really into that. I never know if I should tell celebrity stories, you know, because people seem to want to know them, but then I feel like such a hack bragging about them. Every story, there has to be a reason for the story. It ha- there has to be some That's kind true. of twist. Like nobody wants to it's hear why. Nobody wants to hear who you saw on the street. There has to be mm-hmm. something extra to it. Like, and mm-hmm. then he told me to get away from him, mm-hmm. or and then we saw him again at dinner and we talked. Nobody just mm-hmm. wants to hear that you saw a celebrity. That's so true. Who hasn't? S- Mm, yeah exactly um well speaking of uh stories not having endings i guess this is as good a time as any in this episode yeah (laughs) um it's been really great though john i feel like this was a good palate cleanser from uh three very serious soul-searching heavy episodes Mm. we just kind of got some some talk out Mm. quick quick shout out to oh boy to donkey kong out there donkey kong getting out there taking his gal on a date I just want to say, taking a girl or a dude or whatever on a date to some sushi is, especially if you're not, you know, if you're Asian, whatever, no big deal. But if you're not, it's a great idea because you kind of have to make yourself a little vulnerable and you can like figure it out yourself, you know. You got to have a plan, you know, you got to have some sort of hook here. John, I have. No idea what you're talking about right now. I'm just giving a little secret <laughs> shout out and some dating advice to our homies out there. <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to know who Donkey Kong is? Okay, Donkey so this is Kong just a little inside moment is. between you and inside Donkey baseball. Kong. It's a little inside baseball, but wow, it's generally Donkey Kong. Advice. I hope you really appreciate that shout out because. I'm lost. It's but gonna, it's going to make it on the cutting floor, I'm sure. But there's no, some no, 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 no. I'm leaving in it in. I'm leaving it in. I'm you leaving gotta, it in. You got to have a plan, guys. Dinner is no plan. You got to have a plan mm. for after dinner if you're taking somebody on a date. You know who taught me that? Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> that is not funny. Uh, well. Teddy Bronson taught me that. Oh, yeah. Teddy knows. Teddy Bronson took me on a practice date when I was a young man. He you said, we're going to go out. For the brats. Yeah, he's gonna. He's like, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to show you how this works. I'm going to teach you the rules. And uh, I've been on many successful dates as a result of that. He really, yeah. he really showed me how to do it. Uh, a really kind of fun element of any date is just a tiny amount of rule breaking. Mm. Oh, so true. Yeah, like uh, drinking a beer where you're not supposed to. Nothing excessive. Yeah. I'm not talking. No, about you're like... right. Like one of the first dates that I took Kelly on, I borrowed my friend's giant Toyota, like old Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Dave Barr, shout out. And uh, I drove. You remember Carter Circle at Covenant, where we both went to school. I drove his Land Cruiser from McClellan Hall, which was down at the south end of campus. I drove it across campus, which you're not technically supposed to do, but there is sort of like a golf cart path. Sure. I drove his giant Land Cruiser across campus and pulled it up right in front of Carter Hall yep. and honked my horn and waited for Kelly to come out, and she was hideously embarrassed. But I thought it was kind of fun because it was like 
I'm nothing's gonna stop me from picking you up, babe. Yeah, it sends a message. Even if she's embarrassed, whatever. Come on. Or he. I mean, I'm a dude, so I can only talk about dating chicks, but... um, You're a straight dude, I think is what you mean. You gotta have a secondary plan, y'all. Because dinner is no plan. It's not enough. Nope. Rush through dinner. Then get to having a beer on your card, like at the Overlook. You know what I'm saying? Mm, Yeah. If you're into um, that. Or like climbing the fire escape on the building and getting a sweet view. Yeah. There's got to be a little danger involved. There's always got to be a little danger. All right. Speaking of danger, um, we are uh, in dangerously long territory here, Uh so I'm cutting us off. John, it's been so fun, as always. A pleasure. Um, I I can't wait to to catch up in a few days. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, we made it to the big two zero. Could not have done it without you guys. Seriously, thank you so much for sticking with us. It means a lot. We'll be back next week with another episode, as always. And to celebrate our 21st, it's a big milestone. I think we're probably going to end up getting completely blitzed right beforehand. Because we can now. We've got to take advantage, obviously. I guess we'll do it that way. It's produced by me, Isaiah Smallman. Executive producer, Lil Johnny Bear. Intro music is the Get Down by Summer Dregs. The first outro music that you're listening to now is The Man From Nowhere. Coming up, we've got Young Lady, You're Scaring Me by Ron Gallo. This has been a production of Mama Bear Studios. Yeah.
Tschüss.